0: It's good, okay. All right, one more time. Let's try this again. Uh, Hi, everybody. My name is Luke Thomas. This is my UFC 244 post-fight special. It's a little crazy and hectic. I am inside Madison Square Garden. Uh, You might be able to hear some TVs in the other part of the media room that are playing the UFC 244 feed. So work with me here a little bit. The sound's up and running. The feed's up and running. It might be a little choppy time to time. I appreciate your patience. I appreciate your willingness to do this. Let's get to these results. Let's just march into it now, uh, if we can. If you don't want spoilers, now is your time to get out of here. Okay, here we are. Let's do this, if we can. Let me pull up the results. UFC 244 is in the books and um wow okay what do we want to say again if you don't want spoilers now that's the time to get out of here in the meantime like the video i apologize for the early snafu uh subscribe to the channel subscribe to the channel okay so ufc 244 in the books um this took place at Madison square garden which is where i am right now bit of a crazy night security getting in here was ridiculous in fact we were supposed to have the post fight presser at the hulu theater But we can't get over there because of the security concerns, so we actually have to have it downstairs in the other part of the media room. Neither here nor there. Jorge Mazzadol, in your main event, defeats Nate Diaz via TKO doctor stoppage at the end of the third round. So they fought three rounds. At the end of it, the ringside physician came and inspected a cut over the right eye, excuse me, (coughs) of Nate Diaz. And determined that he could no longer medically continue. Now, it's unclear exactly what he saw. By that, I mean the following. Um, There is no argument you can credibly make that there was too much blood in his eye obstructing his vision, so it couldn't have been that. On the other hand, what it possibly could have been is that he looked inside the cut and saw bone, and maybe in seeing bone, he thought that this was going to be... this had reached a degree of medical severity that it merited stopping the fight i saw dan hardy just a minute ago and i I sort of asked him and we talked about that particular thought he thought even if that was true that this fight had taken place in las vegas that commission would just let it go like oh yeah even okay there's bone that's bad but certain commissions aren't as squeamish necessarily as other commissions that's his belief i don't know if he's right but that sounds actually pretty plausible to be quite honest with you. So, to be clear, a very anticlimactic ending. It was, it was a good three rounds, and to Diaz's point, it was kind of heating up for him a little bit. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, your BMF title wrapped around the waist of Jorge Masvidal by Dwayne Johnson, also known as The Rock. It happened at the end of the third round. Both fighters suggesting that they'll run it back. If they run it back, and what the... I would love to know more about the cause of the stoppage, the specific medical... Malady that the doctor saw that he wanted to prevent from getting worse Um, I'd love to know what that is because if it was in fact something another Commission would let go Maybe they should host it somewhere else. I mean just consider the following You can change the promotion. You can make a brand new belt You can invent all kinds of reasons to do X or Y to make a BMF title, but you can't change safety protocol for a fight. Like if you asked Jorge and you asked Nate, hey, would you guys want to play a little bit loose with some of the safety protocol, if that was an actual option, they probably would say yes, like these two guys are dogs, right? Like they would absolutely say that. But the, the government's not going to allow that. But, but if in interpreting the safety protocol, some commissions are a little bit more historically lenient, and I think you know you can make a case in the, you know, in terms of what Dan Hardy had said, that Nevada is one of those, you know, maybe you want to rethink where you put this. You certainly don't bring it back here, I don't think. Um, That New York Commission, there are, in some ways they're kind of weird and in some ways they're kind of strict, you know? Um, In any event, you can't change safety protocol. Like it is what it is. I just wish we had more of a clear understanding of what it was that he saw because the vision obstruction from blood flow it literally cannot be that so it would have to have been something else and it gets into a bit of a mess now as for the fight itself and jorge Masvidal winning this title <coughs> pardon me it's cold in here oh my god it's freezing in this room um that was a showcase for jorge Masvidal, man now now nate diaz's point was maybe things were going to heat up for him and in a five-round fight those last two rounds would be critically important You've seen that in other fights where that's the case. I think that's a little bit overstated. You've also seen it in cases where he could lose you know, one of the fourth or fifth rounds. It's not a guarantee that that's always the time where he turns it on. But suffice to say, for a guy who likes to go the distance, it's fair to wonder if, if he might have had his best outing in those two frames. We'll never know. What we do know is, for the first three frames... Um, What Jorge Masvidal was able to do was a showcase. If you have followed the career of Jorge Masvidal, that was a clinic and a demonstration of all of his weapons. That elbow he caught uh, uh, Nate Diaz with at the beginning of the fight that dropped him in the first round, that was virtually the same elbow he caught Mutanchi with, Cesar Ferreira, which he landed in his first fight up at welterweight, I think in some time back in however long ago that was. Brian Stan even commentated that fire for reference. Um, some, of the, some of the jab crosses he was landing was the things he landed on Cerrone. Uh, that shuffle that Dominic Cruz had noted, that was, the, that was the strategy he used against Till. It was just Jorge Masvidal going through many of his classic, in this particular case anyway, striking weapons and doing it in close range, doing it in medium range, doing it in long range. He was really opening up with his offense. There is a difference in Jorge Masvidal a little bit. Now, again, without seeing that 4th and 5th round, I don't want to go too far with this, but he does seem to prioritize... um, You know, he does seem to prioritize... uh, How do I say this now? Like, he stays calm in a fight, but he's, like, super vicious at the same time, and he's picking... Like, he's shot-selecting now in ways... That are uh, harsh for his opponents in ways that he didn't necessarily do before. Now maybe that was the constraints of this fight, where you're on to BMF title, you're kind of having to own up a little bit to a certain reputation or deliver a certain kind of product. I wonder if certain times, Masvidal may have taken his foot off the gas a little bit, or you know, was a little bit more judicious in parts of his attack to let the fight linger. Because if you go there and knock the guy out in 30 seconds, I think a lot of fans would be. You know they might like the knockout, but they were kind of expecting a bit of a war. In any event, I mean there was no part of that fight that Masvidal was losing. But it's not to say that Diaz didn't get his licks in here or there. When he was able to get Jorge against the fence, he had some nice uh, ability. Um, when he was able to put combinations together a little bit, he had he landed well. Uh, it, Diaz's own one-two was kind of scoring for him. But you know, Masvidal is a little bit more moving on his feet, he's faking, he's fainting, he's level changing, he's he's exploding into timing, as I mentioned, the shuffle of the feet and everything else with the stance switch in space and the whole nine, he was landing that overhand right all the time. Nate kind of just sort of relies on boxing people in and then overwhelming them with volume. There's a little bit more, in terms of the striking game with Jorge Masvidal, a little bit more sophistication in terms of all of the setups and then all of the offense he puts behind it. and then. The way he was going upstairs to the head with the striking with his hands, and then those body kicks he was landing right after, it. again, another one of those, dropping Nate Diaz. I mean, it was brutal. It was brutal, but it was brilliant. Um, he did a phenomenal job with that. He had a good focus. Yeah, okay. Uh, he did a phenomenal job with that. I thought he really kind of excelled in that regard, to be quite honest with you. And I didn't think he was really ever in a whole lot of trouble. That heel hook that Diaz tried, there was no... There was no real heel hook there. There was no real bite on the ankle. There was no uh, isolation of the leg. There was no isolation of the other leg. Um, there was no positioning of the leg to turn it in a way, right where you're holding a spot, like it's you know it's going like that. Uh, there wasn't any of that. I mean, you know, if if Masvidal doesn't address it, you could get put into that kind of position. Okay, fair enough. But <coughs> um, suffice to say, I thought Diaz looked. Uh, you know, like himself, you know, maybe he had an injury that prevented him from being that, but I thought Masvidal looked awesome. That was like, that was, that was Masvidal, I won't say at his very best, but pretty on point, pretty on point with all of his different weapons, great defense, throwing the legs by, finding a good way to get ground and pounded. You could see there was various times where uh, Diaz was trying to lock up De La Hiva inside De La Hiva. And you saw Masvidal constantly break it, find new ways to do stuff. I mean, he did a great job. He did a great job. This was really a nice showcase for him. You know, well, I'm, I'm bitter that we didn't get a chance to see that fourth and fifth round because maybe he would have slowed down. I mean, you know, the funny part about Jorge Masvidal is, you know, what, what have people always said about him? No one's ever said he was a bad fighter. Like, oh, what's he bad at? Is he bad at boxing? No. Is he bad at kickboxing? No. Is he bad at jiu-jitsu? No. Wrestling? No. Does he have bad cardio? No. So what's his problem? The problem was sometimes he would get uh, overconfident. You can hear John more. He would get overconfident. He would you know, take his foot off the gas a little bit in fights. Or uh, Sometimes he would, you know, in certain other fights, like the till fight, he got dropped early. And in the Iaquinta fight, there was a little bit of a back and forth at times, of course. But a lot of times it's just he didn't stay focused. How about that? Didn't stay focused. You kind of wondered if he was going to stay focused in this one, given he had this bit of this breezy attitude. I mean, it didn't matter through the first three rounds because he was so vicious and violent with it, but you wonder if that would have continued. You make one or two mistakes, and then Diaz is all up on you, and now it's a completely different fight. It could have been that case. All we know is what we saw. You know, all for, for, today, for today, all we really know is what we saw. What we saw was Masvidal looking amazing. He looked great. It looked really, really great. Uh, If you're a a Jorge Masvidal fan, you should take a lot of comfort in that. If you're a Diaz fan, I wouldn't necessarily say don't take comfort in it. But it wasn't, you know, through the first three rounds, it was not a particularly strong showing. You're just looking at a guy who had, I mean, we always knew that Masvidal had more tools, but it was on pretty stark display for long portions of that. Um, I just didn't feel like in any phase, in any particular moment, (coughs) Nate was getting the better of it. He had moments where he landed. He had moments where he had good defense. He had moments where there was a little bit of, you know, uh, making Masvidal answer for things. But the commentators even noted it. I mean, what pace was that fight being fought at? It was being fought at Courtney Masvidal's pace and his space as well. He looked good, man. He looked good. He looked really, really good. I'm I'm kind of impressed by him. I mean, I've always been impressed by him, but... um, You just didn't get all the questions answered. And it wasn't just a function of not getting all the questions answered. It's a function of getting some of the critical ones. Right? The thing... I mean, Jorge Masvidal has more split decision losses than any other fighter in UFC history. Would that have been something else that would have plagued them had this fighting continued? Because the Askren fight and the Till fight, they just ended. So there was no way to know what happens when this goes excuse me really really long what happens we don't really know Um, because he didn't let it go that long fair play to him nevertheless it did it doesn't let you know that like if it does go long has the answer changed about some of the things that had affected his career negatively before gosh I don't know man I really don't know let me make sure everything's running smoothly here I want to make sure everything's going okay Uh, Yes, it looks pretty good. I forgot to mention this at the top of the show. If you leave a donation in the live chat I will answer your question at the end uh, of this particular presentation. So if you got any questions about Nate or Jorge or the event in general, there you go. By the way, let me say something that I thought was kind of interesting about this as well. You know, Nate walking out with his brother and they had the West thing on, which I didn't know in real time what that was, but You know, the sort of branding about identity or territory. And then walking out with his brother, who didn't have Reebok gear on. He was sort of just escorting him there. And then for Jorge to walk out in the same kind of way with the East, but then with Roberto Duran. By the way, I've been to Roberto Duran's bar in Panama. It was a true story. So I went to Panama City, Panama, because my wife has an uncle there. Uh, And we went, and he's like, yo, we can go to this bar. It's called called Duran's. And you can go there, and you walk in, and it's a shrine to him in the following way. Newspapers with him in English or in Spanish framed with, like, you know, Duran wins or whatever. Um, All of his old boxing shorts, gloves, sign, and then there's TVs that are on, and the TVs are doing one of two things. In one case, they're showing his old fights. In the other case, and he was there doing it, it's karaoke. We walk in there, it's like this museum to Roberto Duran. Anyone who's ever been to Duran's can tell you this. And uh, there he was, just doing karaoke, right in the middle of it, and uh, like drinking and inviting people to hang out and like just having a grand time. Food sucked; it was not it was not good, but um, that was interesting. I thought. Uh, in any event, so then he walks out with that, and you're like, "Wow, man!" And then the lighting on the on the which they've done, which they've done before. Like Strikeforce style when they bring it down and it's just all the lights are up except what's on the octagon and then the ring apron has its own lighting system. So what the UFC's responsibilities are in terms of what the UFC can and should be doing, I thought they did a pretty good job. I thought they did a good job in helping to make this a bigger atmosphere, a bigger fight. I thought they did a great... Hey, come on in. It's Danny Segura. I heard was... there, there he is. Come on, say hi. Camera that you? Yeah.
1: What's up, everybody? Woo! Crazy, crazy outcome, right? What would you think about the cut? Uh, so it looked bad. It looked bad. It was. It but there was, was not a lot of blood. There wasn't a lot of blood. Nate Diaz was clearly wiping it. It was. It was bothering him, but he wasn't impaired by it, because uh, he wasn't. He's clearly not impaired by it, because you know he wasn't getting hit where where the cut was, right? As far as like he, he wasn't seeing. He wasn't missing shots that were coming at him. Uh, there's definitely a lot more worse cuts that we've seen, and Corey Masvidal since day one, he did not want to fight in New York. This is one of the reasons why the commission in New York is a weird one. I mean, le- the MMA has only been legal here for a little bit. Still, a, a commission that's very new, dealing with all these kinds of things, unlike Vegas that has a tons of tons of experience doing this. So, uh, yeah, this is this is one of the reasons why Por Hamzalov didn't want to fight here. And at least there's going to be a rematch, right?
0: Yeah. And the other We're part. Missing. The other part for me was, you know, you can make a new belt. You can. They'll be like, oh, there'll be a new weight class with this. They can make whatever weight they want. I get I, the point about the commission is well taken, but you can't change safety protocol. You can't. No, you can change the interpretation of mm-hmm. the safety protocol. I saw. I was telling the audience. I saw Dan Hardy earlier, and he's like, "Dude, Vegas would have let that go."
1: Yeah. Yeah. I that so. sounds like your point. Yeah, that's that's my point. But yeah, you can't just go. Oh, this is the BMF belt. You know, safety has to go out the window, and rules got to be a little more loose. No, you gotta. No matter what fight it is, whether it's a prelims fight, championship belt, BMF, non-BMF, you gotta you gotta call it the same, right?
0: Uh, also, let me quickly add, what I would like to see is, if you medically stop a main event, the doctor should have to explain why. Yeah. Like, I'm not here to challenge the doctor. I'm not a fucking doctor. I don't know. But even just a written statement, here's what I saw, here's why I stopped it. I think the public should know.
1: Yeah, I think there has to be, you got to respond for your actions, right? we got to know why you thought that was the right call. Because if you're not held accountable to what you do, then it, we're prone to see... Bad things happen, right? Bad calls because there is no, there is no repercussion. There is no, uh, there is no answer, right?
0: And uh, oh, the other thing was, um, what I thought what he might have seen was maybe he saw a bone, right? Because, because by, by the way, the place he got cut, I, I, this is so funny. You were at the media day. Yeah. Nate was sitting there. That was the one part of his face you could look at. Like, two You've seen Jorge up close. Yeah. He doesn't have too much visible scarring. No, Nate. Nate, yes. Nate has. You go up to him, dude. He's got super visible scarring. Super visible, yep. and he got cut right there, right away. That's a that's a hard thing to overcome. I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying that um, there's no way to make the bout again, and we, we just have to live with the fact that this guy's like this. But that's going to be a constant problem.
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, that that's the whole issue. And he just fought Pettis recently, and I believe he was well <coughs> in that fight. If I'm not mistaken, so. Um, that's an issue within itself but yeah that's something Nate Diaz is going to deal with the rest of his life uh just being prone to cuts and uh we'll we'll see what happens if, if they book a rematch I, I did think Nate Diaz was picking up steam as the fight was going on you know he was landing a little bit more confidence, but it, it was also kind of clear that Jorge, Jorge was in Jorge control was, by far Jorge right?
0: won those rounds you could even argue a couple of those might have been
1: 10-8 I thought the second was uh a 10-8 that's where he dropped him with the, with the head kick right
0: yeah yeah uh, overall overall impressions of Masvidal
1: Masvidal is looking good, and a lot of people will see this fight, and especially Colby and a few other welterweights have made about it, like this is you know a journeyman fight, but right there I saw a world-class fighter. Right there we saw a world-class striking, world-class uh, ground and pound. I mean, the guy looked really, really good. Not many people can do that to Nate Diaz. And, uh, yeah, I think this guy, whatever he decides to do next, whether it's the rematch or anything, he's a top welterweight. All right. Yeah. All right. We are you up to? I'm out of here. Press conference is, is going down uh, right now. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk to, I believe, Wonder Boy is, is up first. Is, is Dana maybe, down there? Uh, I'm not sure. I got to check, but I assume he's he's going to be down there, and I'm sure he's not going
0: to be happy with what happened. Keep coming back to New York. I'm sure it's smart. Yeah. All right, let me plug this back up. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Go follow Danny, all right, on various other social media channels. Uh, make sure this is going all right. Let's see how it looks. Okay, so I'm not sure what else to say about the fight. Um, I have to go back and look at some of the techniques that were employed. Um, a lot of flat-footedness, I think you know, it was just a bad matchup for Nate in a lot of ways, where he's just kind of flat and plods. And then you got Jorge, who's kind of bouncy, bouncy, bouncy. And that's fine, there's ways around that. But when Nate doesn't throw a lot of leg kicks, uh, it's just hard to counteract that. you got to slow him down. I did see one thing, Nate was starting to go to the body a little bit. Late in that fight, I would have liked to see him go to the body right away. You got to slow Jorge down. Easier said than done, of course. I mean, who am I? But I'm just saying, if you're not going to go attack, if you're not going to attack the legs, uh, attacking the body is a good idea anyway, but then especially an important consideration if you've got a guy who's mobile and who can, you know, who who, in fact not merely can be mobile, but, you know, relies a little bit on that mobility, which is a good idea as well. You got to challenge that. You got to challenge that a little bit. So, We'll see what happens next time. We'll see where they put this. We'll see what the fights look like. We'll see what Nate looks like. But that scar tissue he had, man, I was at media day. In fact, you can look at some of my pictures on my Instagram. You can see it because it actually is shot from that angle. It's this over here, right? It's his right eye. Yeah, it um, looked bad. It looked real bad. That's a thing that's going to keep happening. He's got. He's like one of those like pit bulls you see that have been dogfighting forever. He's got you know faces all scarred up. You can you can see it quite evidently. Uh, we'll come back to it. If you got questions, of course, donate the Super Chat. We'll come back to those. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. Okay, let's go down the uh, the line here a little bit if we can. Darren Till defeating Kelvin Gastelum. Weird-ass split decision. 27-30, 29-28, and 30-27. Somehow, I, you know, if you wanted to give one round to Gastelum, I suppose you could. I guess maybe the second or the third. So, I mean, maybe. I'm not even sure exactly which one you would give. But to give three, I mean, that had to have been... There's only two explanations for that. One, um, there's a math error, and they're attributing the wrong score to the wrong fighter, or the right score to the wrong fighter. Or two, you just have a judge that is so profoundly incompetent that they don't need to be here anymore. You know, and I'm one of these guys who very rarely cries robbery. And if Gaston had won, I don't know that I would have cried robbery. I mean, it really all depends. But if he had gotten, if he had won, let's say let put it this way. If he had won via split and those two splits were both 30-27s, I would cry robbery because that is, you know, its it's it's almost impossible to understand how you could come to that kind of, like, on what planet did he, I mean, it wasn't like there was some kind of tsunami from Darren Till. I, okay, I recognize. But whoever was landing the most effective it was clearly him. Let's talk about Darren Till for just a second beyond the crazy scorecard. Kelvin didn't look bad by any stretch. He just, Darren Till, you know, <clears throat> let me have a be a culpa here. I, I thought that, that you know, not that I was sure that Darren Till was going to lose because I don't like MMA predictions, but I wasn't sure it was a good idea. And we'll talk about this with Kevin Lee a little bit later too. Like you know, these guys not just I'm going to make a switch and then just fight really tough established dudes in that division. Now Gillespie is not, but there was obviously this the sense that he was some kind of um, present and then future threat to the division. But in the case of Till, I was like, man, that's a really, really you know, you have a guy in in in, uh, in Gastelum who can slip, get on the inside, and you know, who hits hard and is experienced, and Till's not going to be one of the bigger middleweights he's ever faced. And I mean, there's so many reasons to think it was a bad idea anyway. And then you had Till coming off two back to back losses, like and bad ones at that. <clears throat> and uh, God, Till looked good, man. He didn't look dominant. It looked to me like he was in the early stages of finding a new strategy. Let me give you a perfect example of this. You know how he commonly, when he likes to stand in place, he stays flat on his feet at times, at times, and he does that lean, and then the strike goes in front of him? He didn't do it hardly, I don't think one time, maybe in this fight. What he did do was stayed on his feet, right? Moving side to side, in and out, circling, circling, circling. He was never a stationary target, it was so hard. For Gastelum to get a beat on him, and then in the middle of that, he was push kicking, he was leg kicking, he was leg kicking so much. When Gastelum tried to blitz on him, you know what he did? He initiated the clinch in that space, or he at least he would duck down and like shell up into him, rather than trying to do what Israel Tsarnaev did, which was, we know Till's got good offense, but let's put offense in place in a system that is defensively responsible and in a place where he's got the energy to execute that vision. And he did. And he did. Good for Darren Till. Didn't get here till Thursday. Made weight, no problem. Wasn't a drama queen. There wasn't a whole lot. I mean, there was talk about his future, of course, because he's an important figure. He's the. Uh, I had the guys from BT Sport were, like unequivocal. They are like, he's the most important UK fighter right now. Obviously, since Michael Bissman retired. And, you know, active in that sense. Um, and he needed a big win. And he was, I mean... Biting off, I thought, you know, I didn't know for sure, but I kind of thought he was biting off more than he could chew. And he had, I mean, it was even another thing he was doing. When he was coming forward and landing a punch or two, he didn't land a punch or two and then like wait for a counter and then go after it. You know what he was doing? He was pivoting on the front leg. Did you guys see that? It was wop, wop, whoop, and then he was turning all the way around Gastelum, in a, not all the way around, but like doing a 180 around him so that Gastelum could never get a beat on him, and then he was going side to side, in and out, faking, fainting the whole bit, leg kicking, circling. Dude, it was brilliant, it was brilliant. It's like, wow, this dude can like, he's he's, he's fleet of foot. Now he does stand a little bit like this. It's a lot like the Luke Rockhold style of defense where it's not a lot of this, but if you can keep your feet moving and you can go constantly, you know, I'm not saying you don't need to have good head movement. Good head movement is always better than not, but the, the results speak for themselves. The results speak for themselves. Um, you know, I thought Kelvin Gastelum he was—he was having some success in terms of like setting up and finding the takedown in the third. You would have wondered where that was a little bit before, um, because he just couldn't find a way to get in and get an opponent to be there in the way that Adesanya was, either because they were clinched, or because he was turning on an angle and resetting the experience, or because he was getting out of the way. He just didn't have that same setup. You would have thought that maybe, and this is a crazy thought, but maybe he would have benefited with a system where uh, Till came to him as opposed to going to Till. I don't know that for sure. I'd have to think about that a little bit more. I'm sort of, you know, this I'm doing this in real time. So I can't say with an incredibly strong degree of certainty about that, but I do wonder. I do wonder about that. Um, because just trying to walk him down and then follow him, rather than cutting him off, you know, you're following like this, rather than, you know, uh, stopping a guy. Um, it didn't work. Not not very effectively. It didn't work. Maybe it would have been different than a five-round fight. Kind of felt like we should have seen one of those five rounds, but alright, it's the way it is, man. Three-rounder. Um, tough, tough two-fight stretch for Gasol. Didn't take a ton of abuse in this one. Leg got chewed up, but uh, I'm not sure about the Adesanya fight, but um, he's got some retooling to do. He's got some retooling to do. Just a little bit too reactive, a little bit too slow to make adjustment. Easier said than done, of course. But a little, a little bit in that in that regard, a little bit. We'll come back to it, of course. Uh, real quickly Steven Thompson defeating Vicente Luque, 30-26 on two scorecards, 29-27. I'll just say this about this fight. You know what it looked like to me? Not so much in the third round, but in the first two rounds. It looked to me like Wonderboy was a little bit, like he was doing his stick and move thing. He was a little bit more willing to sit in the pocket a little bit. Like there was a bit, that was a, for Wonder Boy. that was a fairly violent fight. Like, for example, go back and watch Wonderboy versus Masvidal, right? It doesn't look like that. Like he was sticking and moving. So I don't know if it's an aging thing, or he just wanted to fight a guy like this, or it was some kind of particular way to draw out the opponent to get to land more. Like, I'm going to have to eat a little bit to get the most open shots. I'd have to ask him more about it. But it definitely looked to me like he was a little bit more willing to, like, stick and move, but sit a little bit longer than he normally would have. Like, I'm going to pop, pull, bop, bop, wait a second for another one, and then move. Versus pop, pop, move. You know, it was just there was just there was just this slow accumulation of, of moments where you thought to yourself, dude, he's he's trading a little bit more than normal. Nothing too crazy, but noticeable. In the end, he looked good. It's a nice win for him. Vicente Luque, kind of getting overwhelmed in the end. Had a hard time dealing with the movement. He was able to find some of the shots to the head a little bit, but uh, again, not a lot of not a ton of body work. Would you have thought that would have been a good opportunity for him? If you're not going to kick the legs you got to go to the body and didn't see a ton of that so ah, look wonder Boy's a hard guy to fight of course you know so you don't want to be overly critical but at the same time some of the more common avenues of offense you know weren't fully explored but i wonder about wonder boy that was an interesting moment at 37 it's like is he slowing down is this a strategy was a strategy like for all fighters or just this particular one you know for terms of opponents I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, Derek Lewis defeating Blagoy Ivanov, split decision, 30-27, 28 28-29. I'm not exactly sure what he said about Trump. I didn't quite hear that, but uh, Lewis is funny, right? He fights in spurts. You know, he's like Yoel Romero, takes his time, you know, um, underhooks against the fence, makes, kind of stays out of trouble, stays on his feet, and then in moments where there's a little bit of separation, he just sort of goes after a guy. You know, Francis doesn't exactly do that. Francis kind of sits there and waits on people, Francis Ngannou, and then he fires, you know, punches in tight spaces. Dude, like, Derek Lewis comes at you like a fucking axe murderer, where he's, like, coming with these, like, huge punches and, like, ah. Like, he's chasing these dudes, like, as they're backing up along the fence line, like, ah, you know, coming at him. It's, it must be frightening to see something like that. But a guy is that big on power. Now, he whiffed on a lot of those, but he landed a lot of them, too. Look away, Ivanov must just have a ridiculous chin. An absolutely ridiculous chin. The other thing was, how about those reversals from uh, Derek Lewis? So what you saw Ivanov trying to do was, I don't know what they call it in Sambo, but in Jiu-Jitsu it's called an Americana, or a paintbrush, or whatever. And the idea is that the hand goes backwards and the elbow goes forwards. If you do it forward, like, think about it, like, your If my hand is by my my face, I can go this way pretty easily. I can't really go this way. So jiu-jitsu is to take things where they're not supposed to go, right? But people kind of mess this up a little bit. Like like if my elbow comes up, I'm not really in any, any stress here. And uh, it, it, it's a big man move because the bigger your arms are, the easier it is. Typically, if you apply the, the, the paintbrush correctly to get the desired effect. But what people really fuck up, and this is what you saw Derek Lewis taking advantage of, A lot of people think that the way to get that is to provide a ton of torque with the elbow in the air, and what often happens is somebody, when they apply it to you, you can feel it, you'll feel their base come up just a little bit as they kind of lean into getting your elbow up. They'll, they'll, They'll drive it up and you can feel their base come up. And when they really push into it by lifting their own base to make it go up, then you can turn. In the way that he does, it's an easy thing to escape from. Big dudes do it all the time. Now Derek Lewis is especially good at it. Uh, I have to acknowledge because he's not only good at turning, but you notice he has a system in place because he turns and he immediately I think either gets the underhook or the collar tie. Or I have to go back and watch. But I noticed it was the same both times that he got it. So he knows exactly where he wants to be, where to turn, what to look for, what to do. You know, he's got that process locked in. Um, but it's a common thing. Like, it, I forget who showed me the best way to do it. A lot of dudes think what you want is oh, I just want to I want to crank as much as possible and lift the elbow. But you know, if, I mean, just if you think about a, if you think about a clean, you know, you can have your elbows pointed all the way out. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't do you. A whole, I mean, you can have your elbows pointed even higher. It doesn't necessarily do you a lot of good. The trick is you want the elbow to come up, but you want the hand by um, they fuck this detail up. The hand should be by the ear. Right, that's where you can get that twist on the back, that's where you begin to really feel the problem. But if my hand is here or like up here, you know, I don't really feel it. It's, you got to keep the hand level with the ear and then, so it's really just about um, planting the wrist and then lifting the elbow up. So if my wrist is pushed back to the mat and then this begins to come up, that's when you really begin to get that torque. He was not doing that. The, he was, I mean, it was almost like this. You know, my elbow's high in the air, but is my shoulder integrity, or you know, my you know, any part of this is that is that in any danger? There's no danger here, and that's what he was doing. And then when you feel the weight come up off their base, you turn, you explode. So that's really what he was. That's what that's what you saw there a little bit, and it fits his style. It's like I'm not even gonna try to resist the guard pass. You can have the guard pass. Go for the go for the paintbrush. But when you push and I feel your base come up, I'm gonna turn. It's, you know, I'm not suggesting that's a way for every kid out there to learn how to fight, but it works for you all, Romero, and it works for Derek Lewis. He got the win today. A little bit by the skin of his teeth, but he got the win. The other part about that is I wondered about his um, his back. Now, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to him later, but he has had, you know, notorious back issues. Didn't seem to me like they were in play. Could be wrong. Uh, hopefully they're they're in the past. Um but that has historically been something that has been a bit of an issue for him just not this time so that was nice to see i think right i think i think that's something that we were able to witness um, kind of interesting uh, how about this one kevin lee defeating gregor gillespie 247 in round one dude here's another one first of all what an absolute finish the head kick didn't go along the crown of the head it went right on the jaw i wonder if gregor gillespie has a broken jaw again i'm speculating i'm not reporting to you anything hope that's clear but uh, that was absolutely, I mean, world-class vicious. Kevin Lee came out with a great game plan. Stay low, right? If I need to get right to my down blocking, I can get to it. I can, uh, I can uh, you know, this guy's striking is probably not going to be that great. He's going to really have to rely on the takedowns to the extent that we can get to a spot where we can defend the takedowns or at least neutralize even the attempt or threats. Um, you know, his striking will bear itself out to be not all that sophisticated, which is exactly what happened. He didn't do a lot of stance switching. He circled the way he was supposed to. He set strikes up the way he was supposed to. He reacted instinctively. He just looked awesome. And i said it before, like the Till fight with Gastelum and like the Lee fight with Gillespie, these are fights that would never take place in boxing. They would have had tune-up fights. And there's nothing wrong with tune-up fights. Many of the best boxers get them. But, uh, uh, and I thought for sure, in this particular case, I was like, man, I don't know what Kevin's doing. But these guys like Till and these guys like Lee, when they're this age, in their 20s, they're able and capable of rapid improvement. And in that rapid improvement, fight over fight, if they really get the right idea and the right coach and the right change for Till, the weight class, and not relying on a lot of that lean defense, among other things. For Lee, getting a good game plan, getting someone to focus on him, um, obviously making sure the weight cut was okay, It just, it puts them in these spaces where they can not only grow as fighters and get nice wins, um, but it can maximize their abilities. Like the worst thing in the world, I've said it before, the worst thing in the world is for a fighter to not let you know who they really are because they can't maximize their potential. Um, It looks to me like you know Lee has more work to do and Till and many others, but they took big steps. They took big steps in terms of growth in terms of showing character, in terms of answering for difficult challenges, and in terms of just maturation as a professional in terms of the craft. You know, it it just looked a lot better. It looked a lot better. And Lee, man, god damn, that was so vicious. That right hand that led to the head kick. You know, mixing it up, not hesitating, finding the right range, totally accurate, catching him off guard. Dude, it was nasty. Gregory Gillespie was one of these guys. People were like, he's he the guy to beat you know, uh, you know, Maybe in a fight with Nurmagomedov, it would go differently. Red right? Styles make fights. It would be a wrestling contest. But people have been sleeping on Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee pisses people off on social media and with some of the things he says in, meet, in, in interviews. And yes, he had some bad losses, to be clear. The quinto loss, I thought, was especially so. But they're so young, dude. They're so young. You cannot write these guys off. You've got to give them another chance to really maximize that potential. And because you saw Till make changes, and because you saw Lee make changes, or as aforementioned, Justin Gaethje make changes, then you, then you can have some confidence that they're doing the things that they're supposed to be doing, right? And that they can, they can hit another gear. Uh, Corey Anderson defeating Johnny Walker. Jenny Walker doing all this stuff, and then Corey Anderson, just clinical boxing. You know, finding a moment to land the right hand, and then never letting off of him. People said the stoppage was early. I mean, if they let it go a little longer, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have cared. But if you get hit like that, and the only reason you stay up is because the fence saves you, I don't. You know, it. it to me, it's not that early. So. I'm not, I'm not suggesting to you, it's, like, the most perfect stoppage I've ever seen. But am I especially horrified at the, at the timing of it? No. Moreover, you know, this is the point about Johnny Walker. If you watched him in Jungle Fight, it's like you know, he had these amazing wins in UFC. You don't want to take anything away from him. He will probably have amazing wins going forward. But there's just, you know, there's a lot of questions about his upside that we just didn't have good, clean answers to. I think that, that some of the losses to Corey Anderson have defined him a little bit. And then some of the wins he had, you know, before this, he had three uh, decision wins in a row. And I think that had kind of defined him. And so we've gotten this place of, like, exciting potential versus, you know, hardened sense of someone's basic ability. And that can get you into trouble. Like, again, there's a, tonight was about, less on the main event, but tonight was about people showing that there's another gear to themselves. Now maybe Nate would have had that chance had the main event kept going, but in the case of Lee, there's another gear. In the case of Till, there's another gear. In the case of Anderson, you know, they have—I don't know that—Jenny Walker forced him to hit any gear, but suffice to say, showing a, uh, redefining how he might be perceived, I think is is a fair way to put it, and he might get a title shot from it. We'll see how it goes with Dominic Reyes or, or him. But tonight was a lot about changing perception. And deservedly so like people who went out there and and gave you not much of a choice but to accept that there is something to it you know um nice win (laughs) nice win by Corey anderson uh shane burgos defeating makawan amir khani at 432 of the third round Tough first round for burgos Uh, amir khani was kind of all over him hitting him with the locked hands staying strong staying on top of dude when he faded he faded hard I kind of thought Kavanaugh could have thrown the towel in the third round. They didn't. In fact, I asked them about I asked Burgos and uh, Tiger Shulman about it. They both agreed that the towel should have been thrown. Um, you know, what was the point of taking the beating? That dude was taking a hellacious beating. And then this is my point. We talked about the other guys who didn't go to the body for their mobile opponents. Burgos did. Now, he had a different kind of opponent in the sense that they were not, you know, fleet of foot in that way. But just look at what the body work did. Body work not really on the feet. When he was on the ground, they had the body work. You know, just sitting in side control crucifix, just rib roasting him, bro. So Shane Burgos looked great. Always exciting that guy. Uh, how about Edmund Shabazi defeating Brad Tavares? This was one I was watching. Uh, obviously, you know, because they got Armenian rooting interests, but Edmund Shabazi just looks phenomenal. The timing on that right was spectacular. He punched on the left, the head kick behind it to the skies. Brad Tavares is no joke, defeating him in the way that he did. So he, you know, he didn't come out Shabazzian like a bat out of hell. In fact, I had tweeted, hey, let's say he's taking his time. And then right after that, he just lands the bop, bop, and then the head kick. Absolutely ridiculous. That guy's going to be 22, I think, here at the end of this month. we got to be careful with him, man, because you know he's not ready for style bender yet. He's got... A lot more work to do in that division. Still a lot of questions about his limits. You know, you don't really know until he's been fully vetted. But to beat Brad Tivara is like that, how many fights has Shabazzian had? Total, total fights at age 21 already. That was his 11th fight. And he's had uh, four in the UFC, one in contender series. So five under Zufa, let's say. You know, dating back to July of 2020. God damn, it's so cold in here. Oh my God, it's so cold. Um buddy, that is an amazing win. That is an amazing, amazing win. You know, beating Jack Marshman was cool, right? Uh, out wrestling Darren Stewart I thought was actually very impressive. Um and then beating Charles Bird is cool, you know. Brad Tavares is an OG and hard to hurt and hard to put away. And Shabazian's like his he covers distance, I think, quicker than folks realize he can. And he's accurate. And he can mix things up. So he went with a right and then switched it up with a, you know, flash the jab. And then the minute you can see, boom, the head kick hits you, you know. Um, so he's got creativity. He's got poise. He's got phenomenal finishing instincts. Like, dude, he, you know, Edmund Tarverdian didn't do a whole lot for Jake Ellenberg, I don't think. And, you know, Ronda Rousey obviously had a degree of success. But there's a lot of questions about what kind of leadership he was providing at the place. I don't know what he's doing for Edmund Shabazian, but it appears to be working. And maybe maybe he's doing nothing. I don't know. Maybe he's maybe all of our the previous skepticisms were are and were and now are still well placed. But Shabazzio appears to be the real deal. Holyfield as a prospect in the middleweight as an, another exciting addition to that to that division. So keep that in mind. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jairzinho Rosenstruck winning against Olofsky in 30 seconds. He says he will fill in for Walt Harris against Overeem at UFC DC. We'll see if they make that nightmarish power. I want to see more from him. Uh, did not see Caitlin Shukage and Jennifer Maya. Lyman Good looked awesome against Chance uh, Ren Counter at 203 of the third round. The commentary booth was like, "Oh, he should really close the distance. He shouldn't fight this range," but he was trying to. It's just that Lyman Good was using footwork and getting out of the way. And then when he was trying to intercept, catching him with strikes, either the right hand or behind the jab as well. So I was like, dude, Ren Counter was trying to do that, he just couldn't. Like an obvious thing. So Lyman good, and just picking his shots to finish him off too. Brilliant, brilliant job. And then Hakeem Dewadu and then Julio Arce had a so-so fight. Uh, Fight of the Night apparently went to Steven Thompson and Vicente Luque. And the performance went to Corey Anderson and Kevin Lee. Edmund Shabazzian. Not getting a whole lot of luck. Uh, okay, if you've got a question, uh, let me see them, please, if you can, in the lot, in the um, Super Chat. Let me see you guys in the Super Chat, and uh, I will answer your questions there. Oh, i got to find it here. Hang on. I apologize. Second. Just give me one second. I apologize. I want to get to all your questions here? I need to get a new laptop that is designed for streaming because this one sucks at it. I got it's a MacBook Pro. It's got an i7 processor, but it's just not that good at it. So it kind of screws me up a little bit. Uh, let's see here. Uh, okay, let's do it this way. Let's do it this way. Just one second y'all, appreciate it. I normally have other tools. I can't wait to be home. I can't wait to be home because I can use all the tools on my desktop that I have all set up to do this seamlessly. But Alas, I'm still you know out here. All right, let's do this. <laughs> Trying to find him. So it says MAGA Bernie 2020. That's what y'all want to spend money on. By all means. Uh, Kevin Lee wants Islam Makachev next. Not exactly, this person says. That's half right. He said he'd be interested in it. He preferred the fight to be in Russia, right? So that's the issue there. So that's sort of right, but not exactly. Uh, let's see. Ah, uh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. Someone says from Notorious VC, can y'all just cheer Trump? So he stops making public appearances for a standing ovation, pat on the back after taking out Al Baghdadi, whatever. Uh, someone says Lynch the doctor. I would. I don't want to lynch the doctor. I would like to hear the doctor explain himself. And they should, because they work for the public. Uh, Trey Lowe says, put out a hit on the doctor. Please don't do that. Kevin Lee is the real BMF for killing Gillespie, this person says, from BART. A lot of BMFs in their own right tonight. Then Nate, his power seemed to be more significant there. The size, I mean, the frames aren't too dissimilar. Not that that they have the identical dimensions, but that Nate doesn't have an incredibly small frame for 170, but that, I don't know, that, that there's a certain degree of true MMA journalist in the game. No, I won't say he's the last one. So this is a fantastic night ruined by a garbage doctor. Again, I think the I think the public is owed an explanation. Two things. Number one, go gnats. Number two, I know things with Showtime are new, but do you have any interest in an MMA beat style show? I know it can never be the same, but the format was so interesting, and I really appreciate the discussions. I wouldn't mind doing the occasional round table. I am not trying to do the same old shit that I've been doing. So, and the answer is generally no, but the occasional one, yes. Where do you think Till goes from here? Man, he might hop into the top seven, maybe even top five, it's possible, I suppose. He's going to get another tough fight right behind this one. Um, How do you think he does in fights with other top middleweights such as Whitaker, Romero, or Costa? Costa's injured, I'm not sure. I think the power punching of Costa might be a lot. And then there's still some questions about the wrestling of Romero against anybody or that like you know, that explosive speed that he has as well. Uh, I don't know that I favor him to beat any of those guys, but I, I wasn't sure he was gonna beat Gastelum, and he did. So take that for what it's worth. How much does this KO over Walker do for Corey? He might get a title shot from it. Certainly it was this idea like he wanted to be heard, he wanted to be seen, and he wanted to be respected. My hunch is that this win goes a long way towards fulfilling those goals that like this guy has sort of been a good fixture and kind of respected so sort I'm of, kind of respected in the division but otherwise not a standout and now he appears to be a bit of a standout after after this win uh, in, in, in ways he had never been before four fight win streak and just beating a guy had a ton of hype it's a great it's a great win for him the ref was mad the crowd booed him Big Dan has Masvidal already clinched fighter of the year? Uh, Adesanya might get it, but he's certainly in the running as well. Someone says, Conor McGregor fucked up Nate in the early rounds, too, and Nate was just getting started. That's true, but that doesn't mean that just because he came back against Conor, he'd come back against Jorge. He might. I'm not suggesting to you that's not true. I'm just suggesting to you it's not a guarantee either. Thoughts on a new Mark Kerr documentary? Um... I'm curious to see it. I just the newer audience has no idea who Mark Kerr is, you know. They didn't see Smashing Machine, um, so I'm. I, I, it sounds interesting, but I don't know that. The, I don't know how interesting it is to New York fans. How can I find out the name of the doctor who stopped the Masvidal Diaz fight? Uh, write your commission. Honestly, this person says it's hard to justify myself paying sixty bucks for hard-earned cash for a fight like Till versus Gastelum followed by a doctor stoppage. I can't afford 60 bucks to be disappointed, but there's no guarantees. It could have been a great fight in the way that would have been pleasing to you for Till Gastelum, and then a main event that delivered. I agree, there's probably some things that could be different next time in terms of these kinds of contests, and where you put them, and who's in charge, but they can't always be interesting. That's just the way it goes. Uh, Someone says, thanks for all your work. Thank you as well. I appreciate it. This person says, Trump licks taint. I doubt that's true, but okay. Uh, Austin says, what's next for Jorge? Forget the rematch. This should put him in the next title contender, right? Gang, gang, buzz, buzz. It might, unless they decide to really run this one back. It just really depends what happens at 245. Because if Jorge wins and then Colby wins, they might do that one. They might do that one. You think it's crazy for Jorge to take the rematch when he was so dominant and uh, would be a genuine chance to beat Usman or Colby? Right. Let's see what happens. If, if Usman wins, I think it changes the equation. But if Colby wins? There we go. I think Colby or Usman have a huge issue with Jorge. The guy's cardio looks super on point by the way your external mic isn't on, it's your laptop mic picking up the sound. Alright, it might be. No, it can't be because it's running through the camera, so that can't be right. For example. Coming from here. Oh, it might not be. I don't know. You know what? Let's see. Properties. Yeah, you're right, it is. Fuck. Check, check. There we go. Check, check. Hang on now. Let's try it one more time. Yeah, there we go. Ooh, let's turn it down. Check, check. Let's turn down a little bit more. Check, check. There we are. Yay. Great. What a fucking idiot I am. Um, That was a night won by the underdogs. Yes, it was, many of them. Uh, Thanks for being a long time, Donk. Thank you. Is if Nate won, would he be a Hall of Famer? Hard to say. Till versus Izzy next. I don't think so. I think that Romero fight's going to be next. L- LT, have you ever been so frustrated and jaded with MMA that you have considered covering a different sport or doing a different line of work? Yeah, all the time. Sport is filled with weirdos, man. Uh, let's see. Should Till fight Adesanya next? No. Is this more proof the UFC should avoid New York with big pay-per-views? They can't because they love coming here. And the gate is good, although the gate's even higher in in Las Vegas. But it's just good to be visible. It's good to be out here. But I think you have to be a little more careful in terms of the consideration about what kind of fights they put out here. I would say that. I think Conor still wants to fight Jorge after that. Probably, but not a good idea for him. Uh, Let's see. Was the Doc swayed by their trajectory of the fight? Again, without having them speak, it's impossible to know. But I probably doubt that. Someone says, it doesn't matter if Jorge was winning or not. Actually, it does. Nate deserved to go all the rounds. I mean, I'm sympathetic to the idea, but okay. By winning, getting knocked out, or even by uh, decision, loss, or victory, and you all know that as true as fight fans. That's not English. How can I buy UFC pay-per-views outside the USA? I tried tonight while in Seoul, and it was a disaster. Pay-per-views aren't necessarily sold globally. You have to find out how the UFC distributes their content in South Korea. It could just be that they do it through Fight Pass. It wouldn't let me buy it even while I have ESPN plus, but that's unavailable here. Can I buy them on ufctv.site? Um, you have to Google that. I'm not sure how they do it in South, in South Korea. Your mic sounds great. Enjoy the work, Luke. Keep it up, man. Yeah, now it sounds great after having fucked this thing up royally. I've got Cam Link going into OBS, going into um, YouTube. But Cam Link is a function of the computer here. Sorry, the camera. So the camera is going into Cam Link. You guys can't see, it's a little device down here. Cam Link then feeds into OBS. OBS then feeds into YouTube, which is why everything has to be set up and it was all fucked up. So I can't wait to go home. (laughs) I can't wait to go home, I'm tired. I wait to go home and get everything set up in the way that it's supposed to look and the way it's supposed to be and the way it's supposed to sound and the way it's supposed to be done. Uh, Let me catch up with some news before I close the, the, uh, the frame. To make sure everything is uh up to speed any uh, pieces of news that we can get out there let's see here real quickly da da oh the canella fight's going on apparently he's winning. dude what was the zone thinking uh Putting the Canelo and Kovalev fight after the Diaz fight, the amount of overlap between the two audiences is not that high. Like, how many people are are big-time MMA and boxing fans? Like, not many. And then to make, like, did you see like Canelo's purse? It was $35 million. It was 12 for Kovalev. Like, the A side of this fight isn't gonna make as from the BMF fight, isn't even gonna make as much as the B side to Canelo's fight. Canelo's the biggest star in global combat sports, I would argue, or at least certainly among the top of the heap. And they're making him wait for this fight. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, everyone just do their business. Like, UFC shouldn't wait on them, and DAZN shouldn't wait on... Every party just move in the the way they're supposed to move. But to see, have Kovalev just sitting there waiting for this fight to end, I, I don't know. It just seemed, it seemed weird to me. I I don't know that I understood it. Maybe they have some data that shows that their viewership would change as a function of that. I don't know. But the way it was set up was hardly ideal for boxing fans. And frankly, a bit of an insult to all of them, if I can be honest. Yeah, apparently Canelo's is doing quite well. Dana says he has no interest in running Diaz versus Masvidal back again. Huh? That's interesting. But then again, he also said he wanted to do Askren versus Lawler again, then never did. So, what they say on fight night, take with a grain of salt. Derek Lewis says he wishes Obama would have gone to one of his fights when he was president. Oh, this is fun. Mike Bond got attacked. Jesus Christ, seriously? He goes, MMA fans are insane. Some random person just tried to fight me in the escalator from the press balcony to the media room because, quote, you think you're special with your little fucking media badge. Thanks to the people who pulled him away screaming in my face and let me by. And he says, apologies to anyone who thought I was generalizing all MMA fans in this tweet. Obviously, some good apples out there like the ones who intervene. Glad it didn't escalate because buddy, that's hilarious. Jesus Christ, y'all. That's wild. Uh, in any event, okay, if you have any questions, email me, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. <laughs> I can't wait to go home in part because I haven't slept properly in a long time. And then two, because all of my tech issues at home, a lot easier to fix when I've got everything set up and I'm not doing this on the road. Yeah. But I appreciate your patience. You guys have been, I mean, I've been doing stuff on the road now for three weeks because I've been doing it in part of the vacation. I'm ready to call it a day on a lot of this stuff. Thank you guys so much. I really hope you enjoyed the fights tonight as much as you could have. I thought they delivered for the most part, just a little bit unfortunate that they ended it the way they did, but uh, otherwise, pretty phenomenal evening, um, and one to remember, certainly one to remember. A really interesting moment with Jorge Masvidal's ascendancy. I wonder, last, last thought on this, we all kind of thought that the winner might really take a big step up in popularity based on, um, well, all the factors that n- normally go into how much a fight can elevate a person's profile, and I suspect that this will. I wonder how the anticlimactic ending might limit that, though, a little bit. Right, if Colby wins, Masvidal's place is so far ahead now that he will almost certainly end up the title challenger there. Um, But I don't know that both guys got the full magic of what was possible this evening. Like as fans were saying, or even as media, oh, we didn't get the fight we wanted. We didn't get the completion that we wanted. But as fighters, they took that fight because it wasn't necessarily like the hardest fight out there. Although it's a very difficult fight, I understand but it was done in part because of uh, the considerations of how people fight, and then the marketing side. Nothing wrong with any of that. Did these guys get the full-on marketing? They got the push for the sales, but after the fact, did they get as much of a rub from all of that promotional push as they could have? Time will tell. My hunch is probably not as much. Some, we'll have to see. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how people view Jorge Masvidal and what the significance of this win is, given what Diaz is known for, and given that the doctor made a questionable medical decision in terms of intervening. Something to pay attention to. Thank you guys so much for watching. Until next time, get some sleep.